Hello, Docalos. It's it is I, Bob Sham, your favorite host of the Documenteers Podcast. The Documenteers Podcast, of course, the best documentary theme podcast in the universe. For this episode today that you're listening to, closing out Herzog Month. And Johnny joins me as we discuss the pastor Gene Scott, who has uh passed away for a while now Werner's 1981 documentary god's angry man and it's about a west coast evangelical pastor gene scott and he's an angry man so johnny and i break that down as Werner brings us back to our religious themed documentaries and you can watch this on youtube it is quite accessible it's one of the ones that Werner made for german television the subject is american so you can understand everything they're saying about 43 minutes long not long at all and we think it's interesting but we're kind of weird but hopefully we make this entertaining for you johnny also mentions uh, a documentary from 1972 called marjo about a televangelist who grew up a televangelist and later stepped out of it but kept pursuing it to show cameras exactly how televangelists are able to manipulate people that's a 1972 film directed by howard smith and sarah kernoshan so if you enjoy God's Angry Man and you haven't seen Marjo, I would also recommend checking out Marjo. We might get to that someday. But for now, for today, God's Angry Man. Also, even though this is the, the last movie in Herzog Month, we actually recorded this first a while back. And this is from a session that Johnny and I did where I had an audio emergency. So the audio is far from perfect. There's a little bit of a... Uh, a fuzz going on in some of it but you should be able to hear everything just fine it's just i had to you know do some fedangling to capture some emergency audio because my usual methods flaked out everything is audible and you can hear everything just fine it's just you know not as good as it's been slowly becoming lately that said next week there's five tuesdays in october that means five documenteers episodes and each one will be Ooh, in certain various ways, we will be doing creepy, spooky docs. And next week, Akil will join me as we discuss, per Akil's request, doing this for you, Akil, as we discuss the the goddamn four-hour-long tribute to the Nightmare on Elm Street series, Never Sleep Again, The Elm Street Legacy, by directors Daniel Ferrans and Andrew Cash. Next week, from this episode, First Tuesday in October, we will be dropping Never Sleep Again, The Elm Street Legacy. But before we go into all that spooky, evil witchery, we're going to keep it with the Lord today with Werner Herzog's God's Angry Man. Let's get into this movie and let us keep on docking. Now, here is a motion picture film, a thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. I got every kind of audience out there. And when I yell, why do I get my mic turned down? I'm going to blow the speakers if I don't get it loud. Give me the volume. Werner Herzog was born... September 5th, 1942. And that's why we celebrate this September, Herzog Month, with all 
Werner Herzog movies. Now, Johnny, we kind of took a break from our religious-themed episodes for a couple of episodes. We talked about Heine, which there's a cult fandom, and we talked about Decline 3 in that series, and there's a little bit of cult fandom there, too, like a little microcosm of a scene. It's definitely subcultural. But now, Werner... With the help of Werner Herzog, we're going to go right back in to the religious with a guy named Dr. Gene Scott in the 1981 Werner Herzog film, God's Angry Man. And you can find this on YouTube. We found it on YouTube. That's where I watched it. And you don't need to turn on the subtitles because it's all in English. The credits are in German, you'll notice, but everything is in English. Yeah, and I, I assume part of that is because Werner Herzog doesn't even really, you don't hear him talking. He doesn't narrate. You hear him ask a question from time to time but in that's, English yeah in English but that's it and this guy we're talking about a dude named Gene Scott give me the volume there's no Werner narration like you said the camera's just right on him even in like long silent moments you know you can get all academic with Werner movies if you want I don't like it because it's so artsy fartsy but I don't think it's that necessary I think he captures the very basis of humanity and I know Werner himself gets a little annoyed at people trying to over intellectualize what he's doing i think he feels like what he does is for the people and he doesn't care for it to be classified as something that's hyper intellectual he feels like anyone can truly be able to enjoy his movie that's true i mean it seems most of the time his message if there is a message usually he's just trying to portray the thing from what i've seen it doesn't mean that's that his that this documentary specifically is without subtlety. There seems to be plenty, and we'll go into that. And I think of the contemporary Werner Herzog, like Grizzly Man era, we'll call it. It's a lot of narration from Werner, and it's almost biased in that Werner observation way, but it's still really interesting in a way that only Werner can get away with it. But this movie comes off like an educational film. It does. And that's what I enjoy about it. One movie we watched before, a hole in the head. Yes. It came off like an educational film. I was about to say it reminded me in some sense of that. But better executed in that hole in the head re required various footage like cold from various places. This is all Werner pointing the camera at Dr. Gene Scott in the bizarre world around him. This is not a show. It's a feast. And he likes to point in on these small things, whether it be... there. There's one point where he's talking to Gene Scott and then for seemingly no reason... A camera pans and there's a lady sleeping on the couch. And that's the only time you see her. They don't introduce her. And they don't say anything about her. That's what I love about Werner's take in this movie is that there's so much that goes unspoken. You see as much as you hear. Dr. Gene Scott, do you, uh, do you know much about this man? You know, I knew absolutely nothing about him before I went into this. He must have come and gone before my time. This documentary, what, came out in 81? I don't remember him being a big deal in evangelical circles. I think he was more focused on the west coast he has a big presence okay. there i think he's often been considered almost something like a cult leader by many religious groups maybe in that area but he had been doing this stuff for about 50 years up to the day he died he'd married a woman i forget her name melissa scott yeah melissa scott who has carried on his ministry and dr gene scott made a lot of footage of himself he is like an early televangelist i think melissa scott i did watch like three minutes of something because 
because after I watch this movie, YouTube will play the next related thing, and it played a Melissa Scott sermon. for Jesus. Was it the video where she was trying to dispel rumors about herself and her husband who had just who had passed away? I don't think I'd gotten anything to like that, but she had claimed that Dr. Gene Scott invented reality TV. Yes, absolutely. That was the same one. She took a long time to get around to the point. Mm-hmm. I probably made it a quarter of the way through the video before I turned it off myself. But yeah, as the second wife, she was a lot younger than he was. She was. When she married, and she's still, I mean, she looks like she's about my age right now. She might be a little older, but. It seemed like she had had plastic surgery. But now she's carrying on that legacy. She doesn't seem quite as pissed. No, uh, she didn't seem to have his knack for speaking either. Gene Scott, this film is called God's Angry Man. Why do I get my mic turned down? For a reason. Because he's an angry, angry man. And we, we open up this movie, a man sits. His legs are crossed. His arms are crossed. These images of Dr. Gene Scott. He's not an open guy, even in his body language. He's like non-trustworthy of anything that's coming at him. He seems, for a very religious man, he seems shockingly skeptical of everything that happens around him. But this movie goes back and forth. To him preaching and also cuts to the world of this show that he's doing it looks like a public access show and there's like a singer and i don't know who this singer is there's a band like a like a acapella band and then there's this singer guy who makes these very animated faces ho, 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 ho. His eyes are bugging out of his head. Creepy kind of smile, like like he's about to eat your face off. It looks like he's trained with like some novelty band, like Spike Jones. He's got just very animated way of singing, and like he has to over enunciate everything. Werner was very fascinated with this guy's expressions. He in the musical interludes, I'm pretty sure he was playing the entire song. Like he recorded, you know, the Statesman. That was the name of the band, correct? The the quartet. The quartet that would come later. Okay. Uh, at least with the Statesman, he filmed a full song of theirs and kept it in the documentary because apparently to a German documentary filmmaker, this is fascinating shit. Now, we have religious backgrounds to varying degrees. We do. There's something about this culture that is familiar to us. Very. At one point, we do... I've fallen asleep during quartet concerts before. (laughs) We, the statesmen, we meet the statesmen later in the film because there will be numbers to come up to where you can call and make pledges to Dr. Gene Scott's ministry. So you'll see the statesmen or that one weird animated singing dude, and they're singing with numbers over their bases. Very stark it's a very much a i think a lot of this was shot at the end of the 70s so it's that level of quality but the statesman johnny i'm pretty sure i've actually seen the statesman what trying to remember i'm going back to deep childhood and the reason why i think it is this band is because i remember that one dude's hair and mustache and the expressions on their face i was like those guys look so familiar and we went to this talking about the soprano the dude with the really high voice (laughs) yeah with the mustache oh yeah he was a gem and we go up the street where i grew up was this little building that was like built into a hill like one of those kind of buildings right i think they were kind of common in the 70s like you saw them more often like that's when people started 
started building them. And we went to this building, and it was like um, it was like the size of a school cafeteria, basically. And it looked like a basically like a worship room, like a worship house. And they had a quartet a cappella singers. And I swear. I'm pretty sure it was the Statesman. I have a memory of him as a little kid watching this, and I don't remember what songs they were singing. I wasn't into the music, but I remember looking at their faces and just remembering how funny looking they were. Is that your first show, Bobby? Maybe it was. Bro. The Statesman up the street in this little chapel in nowhere south side Tennessee. You need to get their faces tattooed on. <laughs> Do you have any band tattoos? No, but I am going to get the statesman. It should be the statesman. We'll make sure to play some statesman so that the listeners know what we're talking Don't about. Don't blow your fucking mind. You'd- Definitely want to watch God's Angry Man or Bernard Herzog Classic, but we'll play some Statesman as well. But yeah, I guess that was my first show. I used to consider it Garth Brooks because my grandma got free tickets when I was a little kid. We went to the Ryman and saw Garth. Is that damned old rodeo ho? Right? That would be a good first show to claim for sure. But let's be real, it was the Statesman. It was the Statesman. <laughs> Mine was Twilight Paris. What is that? Twyla Paris, the uh, the Christian contemporary singer, uh, biggest in the 90s. The Warrior as a Child. They don't know that I go running home when I fall down. Yeah, they don't know who picks me up when no one is around. I drop my sword and cry for just a while. Whoa, the sword of God? Put on the armor of God. But deep inside this armor. The warrior is a child. Whoa. And he's bathed in the blood of the lamb. Oh yeah, I was five. I fell in love. Did you I have your, a letter? Were your when you heard that song? When you were listening to them, would you close your eyes and hold your hands up in the air? You know, I was I was rarely ever that kind of kid. I always I saw people around me doing it, and it just it never seemed natural to me. You always were the black sheep I of the religious like, community. Uh, look, this music's good, but you guys are doing it all lame. <laughs> music's real good. So, can we talk about, one of my first thoughts was, I mean, the music really sucked me in. As much as anything else in the documentary, the music sucked me in because I started thinking about how a lot of these white southern gospel quartets and duets and just groups in general were, they tried to put a little bluesy flavor into what they were singing. Yeah, yeah. There was like a bluesy rock jam in there. There was, but it was all about how God's taking care of me. It really, it always seemed sterile to me because it was missing like the low down desperation that the blues had. And I wish, you know, if you have people sing about how they're a sinner and they need to get on the right path, you could easily go the Lost Highway, Hank Williams route. And a lot of people did. There's so much you could have drawn from the blues even as like a white southern person and actually gotten it but they're just 
taking the riffs and yeah. singing for a televangelist <laughs> about how things are good because they know Jesus. It all seemed very sterile and disingenuous to me. This is a this is a period where it's we're in a transitional period where religious institutions in America were not necessarily as bound up into things politically. Televangelism was relatively young. I mean, Billy Graham had been around a while. There had been charismatic preachers on TV for some time, but we're starting to get into where we see this a lot. Yes, and the moral majority was pretty new as well. Jerry Falwell had only been doing that for a while. It wasn't until around the Reagan era that that the evangelical world started getting bound up in the Republican Party. Right. We're in the transitional phase of that pretty much at this time. And he mentions how how he's criticized about being like, maybe criticizing the government and stuff like that. And he says he's four and a half years in front of the camera at the time of the filming of this movie. And he says, people are either for me or against me. Not he never smiles in this movie too because he's God's angry man and he's I polarize people because I take a stand. He says whenever he said in America whenever they're reporting issues they're serving what he likes to call the God of two sides. Werner asks him. We hear Werner's voice asking questions off camera. It's not it doesn't over dominate. He asks if he's ever been threatened and he tells the story of how one time he in New England they wanted to tax him and so he barricaded himself in the chapel and the police and. Instead of breaking down the barricade, they drove out to where the transmitter was and took that down so he couldn't broadcast. Well, part of his strategy, too, was to, he held communion where he barricaded himself in. So there were so many people there at the service taking communion that the cops, according to him, couldn't get to him. But he talked about how they went to the transmitter and there was one man there that the police uh, had to push aside. Seized our transmitter with one lone guy who has sugar diabetes. Very unfair because he had sugar diabetes. <laughs> I knew when he said sugar diabetes. Sugar diabetes. Who's going to say sugar diabetes first? Sugar diabetes. <laughs> sugar diabetes. Sugar diabetes. He had the sugar diabetes. You can't push somebody with sugar diabetes. No. Sugar diabetes. We meet uh, Re the Reverend Scott's parents. We're here today to give our friends an idea of what our son was like when he was growing up. They said he was a seventh grade genius, and you could tell that they told him that. Oh, yes. Uh, one teacher had written a letter to his mom. said, did you know you have a genius for a son? Oh, wow. And she's never been more proud. And that shaped the course of his life. Gene Scott says, I keep the government out of this church. And the newspapers, Johnny, they're writing lies. That's what we call fake news. They're fake news and Gene Scott. But folks, he's going to be here until Jesus comes. We see a scene where he's counting pledges. 400, 540, 120, 1200, 240, 180. I remember one of the last times I ever went to church. It wasn't my home church. It was like this Baptist church where they were building a, a new chapel right and they did this thing where they brought the screen down and it was like a rolling money like for how much that they gathered up to have a new huge chapel for a church that already had one that seemed to work just fine it was like a mega church and they had this rolling money like this is how much we have made and i was like money changers bro and then I got up, <laughs> flipped my ball cap on backwards, yelled out, Money changers! You have turned my father's house into a den of thieves! Flipped every table, cartwheeled, barrel rolled out the door. Released all their sacrificial animals. Then I took my jacket off, put it on my finger, 
flipped it over my shoulder, and then walked off into the sunset. Mm. Never to church again. That'll show them. Never been more proud of you, Bobby. 360, 250, 250, $3,000. On it goes. The phones are jammed up again. Don't stop. We're going to play the statesman again. It's going back and forth between him counting pledges and the statesman, my first concert. Fucking impressive tenor. I have that written down in my notes. He's been in my memory ever since. Pastor Scott says, can we get these pledges over a quarter of a million? He guilts that audience. He's like, why aren't you doing this? Why? Why? What's $600 to you in 1981, huh? That's like three times your mortgage in 1981, right? What's $600? Uh, that's my rent, Bobby. <laughs> Still. He breaks down exactly the things he's responsible for and the things that he's in charge of. He says he devotes about 30 hours a week to his TV appearances. And he also runs churches, multiple churches that equate to thousands of people. Most of it delegated. He always points out that he is elected into his position and can always be elected out. When there needs to be someone in the hospital that he needs to see, he'll send his father. He's the son of a pastor. And his dad will evaluate whether or not D Dr. Gene should come into this particular hospital visit. One of his businesses uh, I mean, ministries is he runs a mausoleum. And that salary pays for his limousine. A mausoleum, a building, an above ground building. That holds bodies. Yeah. He's taking a cut of what the people pay into the mausoleum? I guess so. Mausoleum rent? I don't know how I don't know how rent works after you're dead. It's not something that I've had to worry about. Shout out to all the squatters. Mausoleums. Try it out. Rent's already paid, bro. That's right, bro. Oh, he also runs a publishing house in San Francisco. Most of it delegated. Most of it delegated. We see the enthusiastic singer again. Oh. My favorite. And I wrote down, these white boys are really trying to feel it. Jesus. They are feeling, they're feeling they're, that they're Lord. Just trying to get that blues from their soul and make it as happy as humanly possible. There's a church lady, she's singing and playing piano. Very musical film. You like that white gospel? Well, watch God's Angry Man. I'm not gonna lie, like the aesthetic- Don't lie. What? <laughs> Don't you dare lie. The aesthetics of this film remind me of a lot of my record collection. I wrote evangelical stereotypes. Oh, absolutely. I, I tend to, when I'm record shopping, pick up records just by the crazy looking covers, the people with the bad hair. And in Nashville, there's so much of you it. You can find a lot of that shit. And you can find some stuff that's really interesting that would be considered outsider music. This whole documentary looks like a large percentage of the album covers of my collection, especially a lot of the ones that I had put on my wall in my house. 
There are elderly women answering the phone to accept pledges because who else has time for that shit? He's out in Southern California, I believe. And he's talking about how, you know, all these Hollywood actors, they know the world around them is fake. And they look and see the jobs that their co-workers are doing and their colleagues and their contemporaries. And they're not meaning what they're saying. They're just spouting lines that are written for them. But I'm the real thing. I'm speaking from my heart on TV. And that's why Hollywood loves me. That's why the acting community loves me, because I'm not fake. I give them a respite from this fake world that they have around them. He said he's too good to be bad and too bad to be good, but he just can't let a church go down. And he hates people who kick dogs. So do I. Can't walk by a guy kicking the dog without kicking the guy who's kicking the dog. He says challenges grip me, and I'm still running from what people think I ought to be. I don't have a choice. People think that I'm a, that I'm angry or that I that I'm just doing this to myself. It's like, I, there's just something about me. I can't help but fight for what I believe in the Jesus. What is 600 fucking dollars in 1981, huh? And I would, you know, I don't want this. This is what the Lord has for me. I would rather go out and buy a farm out in the middle of nowhere and just, just farm. I mean, not literally that, but you get my point. Werner asked him, would you like to have a private house, for example? Yeah, very much. Yes, I would like that. I would like privacy. I would like children, but I can't because I'm sterile because I had the mumps at the age of 19. Now, they're from California, but they sound like they're from the Bible Belt. I don't know this for sure, but I get the feeling he might have been originally. Also, there is a there is kind of a redneck element to Southern California, right? It's a big state. And there's, you gotta, a, there's a good amount of farmland around. And I've driven through a lot more of that middle of nowhere than I have the big cities. And yeah, it can get redneck as shit up in California, no doubt. Every state in in this union has redneck qualities to it. So that voice can be anywhere. He said he used to run three orphanages. And one time he gave an orphan bread and that orphan called him daddy. He said, he's my daddy. This is the words of Pastor Gene Scott. It's interesting whenever Werner is talking to him one-on-one, -on -one, I don't know if it's genuine or not, but it does seem like he is beat down by what he feels he has to do or pretends he has to do. And he is talking about his sadness and his pain, how he wants to have children, how he supported these orphanages because he wanted to have children. I wonder how much of that he really did, what his, what his actual track record is. I think he is sincere. I think he really does believe this about himself. Whether or not he's always believed that throughout the entirety. I mean, we often will attribute these guys as crooks and it's not an unfair description because you're asking for a lot of money from people, from the people who often don't have that much money. When you're sincere or not, poor people are getting duped. Doesn't matter whether or not he believes it or doesn't. I mean, either way, even if he does sincerely believe this and doesn't attribute anything negative towards himself, if he is, as they say, high on his own Kool-Aid, does that make him any better or worse than if he was a guy that consciously was like, yeah, I'm getting all these people money? I would say so because someone who is more sincere and thinks they're doing the right thing would be more likely to change if they found out they were not. I guess so, but it's kind of hard. I believe that people might think that they're doing good even if they're not because good intentions can still have bad results, but they're so doubled down on the fact that they feel like they're doing such good things that you can't tell them anything else. It would be hard for someone who was 40, 50, 60 something years old to come to terms with evidence that states that the way you believe, the way you've lived 
for the past several decades has been a lie, mm-hmm. that it has been harmful. It, it would be really hard to admit that you've been throwing your life away. So I could see him also pushing out evidence that he was doing more harm than good because he's just invested so much time into this. But of course, Werner doesn't narrate, so you don't get to see a lot of investigative journalism into who this guy is, how he's been spending his money. I would have liked to know that because, well, the, the the German title of the documentary translates to faith and currency. So I would I would have at least I mean it's Werner Herzog who might have judge, but personally as someone who grew up in that in that environment, him saying that he supported three orphanages, I would have liked to have seen how much of his money went to that, whether or not he is actually kicking the guy who's kicking the dog. Pastor Scott says that he's a guy that can't really go out and live a normal life. So I feel like when we're seeing him on the TV and we're seeing Werner interview him in his office. That really is like a lot of where he's spending his time. That makes it, perfect sense. We might not be seeing much more than that. So as far as kicking the guys, kicking the dog, his word may be all there is. And I think when it comes to a televangelist, that's often the case. Like the Joseph Smith, the story of Mormonism. I believe that a young Joseph Smith was like, I'm just going to make this up. And the older Joseph Smith was like, I believe all of this. <laughs> right, right, right. Much like L. Ron Hubbard in the earlier part of his life, he He's trying to figure shit out and he takes something that he had been using for a long time to try to make sense of his own mental health issues and he ended up saying that this is what the entire world needs. Sea Org, bro. We sea Org, bro. No turning back. So he kind of assumed that everybody had the same problems that he did and the same path to fixing them. Sorry, I just pictured a t-shirt, his face that says Sea Org, bro. No that would be beautiful. And I think this is the part where we get to the, where he's sitting for several minutes waiting for donations. Scowling as usual. He, but he will not be defeated tonight. I will not be defeated tonight. And what is Christianity if we cannot give? Do you understand that God's work hangs on 600 miserable dollars? Carnal Christians. Yeah, carnal Christians. You are carnal Christians. <laughs> this is war! This is a guy asking for money, not saying... And you sit there glued to your chair! How long must I teach you the principles of spiritual warfare? I mean, I don't know if he says where he's going to put it or not. That doesn't go into the documentary, but as far as they know, they're donating to a TV station. This is war! If I may, if he's saying what is Christianity and asking for money, let me read from one of the early Christian texts. Oh, oh, please do. The Didache. It was a text from the early church that was written before the first book in the New Testament. So it precedes the New Testament. Let every apostle who comes to you be received as the Lord. But let him not stay more than one day, if he need be a second as well. But if he stay three days, he's a false prophet. And when an apostle goes forth, let him accept nothing but bread till he reach his next night's lodging. But if he asks for money, he is a false prophet. Verse 12. But whosoever shall say in a spirit, give me money or something else, you shall not listen to him. But if he tell you to give on behalf of others in want, let none judge him. Cool. I can't wait to put church organ music under that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Can it please be Gregorian chants? Or... Uh, oh, sure. Okay, awesome, whatever, awesome. Whatever you need, man, I'll do it. Don't ask for what more than you need, dude. Don't ask for more than you need. If you're going to ask for more than you need, 
ask for, for people in need. That's how it was run. He says he will not be defeated tonight, Johnny. Not one more word until that thousand comes in. A thousand pledges coming in. Not one more word. If only it were this easy to shut up a televangelist. But he actually sits there. There's like, how many minutes do you think pass? Werner just lets it happen. Just sits there, scowling at the camera. <laughs> I think it, I think it's at least three minutes. And then he gets up and yells. Six hundred miserable dollars! How long must I be with this generation? One person hanging on to a miserable six hundred dollars. This is war! <laughs> what is this but a festival of faith? What is faith but hanging on the impossible? I want that thousand dollars. Carnal Christians. What is faith but a testament? Okay, cool. Whatever, dude. What is this but a festival of faith, Johnny? And what is faith but a testament to the impossible? <laughs> I think that's from Leviticus. I think I already answered that question, Robert. <laughs> carnal Christians. Carnal Christians. Carnal Christians. You going to carnivals? When you're getting your funnel cakes, Carnal Christian. This is war! And riding the zipper, you carnal ass Christian. Gosh, these carnal Christians, they just burn carnal him. Carnal Christians. He says, and I'm quoting, I want to jump in the middle of their gut. I, I don't like it because it's so artsy fartsy. And then he says, I don't know if he's talking to the camera guy or just someone random maybe named Joe. Come on, Joe, I won't hit you. Who might be watching. I thought at first he was talking to like someone in the, uh, like behind the camera. I really don't know. Was he talking to the camera guy or the viewer? I thought it was the camera guy. I thought that personally. too. And he growls. He literally growls. Growl. He growls. Growl. Can it just be just like a growling <laughs> montage? Growl. 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 <laughs> uh, but he does state that he has this black bag and this black bag is mine. Werner goes, Would you tell us what's in there? He says, No. <laughs> It's the only thing in this whole world that is his. I'm the most honest guy on TV, and I'm tired of being attacked. And Werner states, you seem very lonely. And he says, I have no real close friends. He said every friend is a potential enemy until this job is finished. Praise God. Serious fucking trust issues, buddy. <laughs> Most people just be like, oh, Jesus is my friend. It's all the friend I'd need. But he's not even doing that. He's like, there's nobody. All the sacrifices. He's, it's just short of him saying that he's going to be crucified tomorrow pretty much poor guy then we get into some anti-government prop comedy one of my favorite parts of the movie the fcc monkey band hit a bureaucrat on the head this is all he knows to do get the profile he's good looking watch his eyes protrude Take this, you bureaucratic monkey, and he has these toys. Well, we see one toy. It's that classic chimp slapping the symbols together. Mm -hmm. It's like an old school toy. And he's smacking him on top of the head. He's good looking. And his eyes bug out. Bopping it on the head. He can't even hit the symbol right. Then he tosses it. and the, his little studio audience claps after he tosses the prop monkey. But the monkey keeps going on the ground mm -hmm. and Werner's, of course, Werner's just lets the camera sit on the clapping monkey laying down on the ground. And the monkey's, you know, butt where the batteries go is facing the camera and he's saying, no matter how they land, the right end is always pointed at the camera. That was actually pretty funny. That's yeah, fair. Not bad. But he doesn't just have one toy monkey. He has like this whole table full of monkeys. A fucking monkey orchestra. Look at him. Here's your bureaucrats. Wouldn't you like to grow up and be a bureaucrat if you're a kid watching? 
Monkey. It's a full-on FCC Monkey toy band. FCC Monkey band. Get it back there on old Blabby back there. He's already talking to the press. That's our government for you. Turn him bang his head on the floor. And they have that one that's the gymnast monkey that's doing a few pull-ups and then does a backflip over the bars. Watch this guy turn here. Mark of the beast six times. One, watch it. One, two, three, four, five, six. Over he goes. Six, six, six. Holy shit. The mark of the beast. Fuck. And the whole time I'm thinking, what did the FCC do to him? I, I don't, I didn't understand his beef with the FCC. I guess because they would find him if he did certain things because because he's on television. What can a televangelist do? I'm not sure why the FCC, why he would be against the FCC, unless he's saying bad words like fuck and pussy and wiener. I don't like the artsy fartsy. Or poo poo. I don't know, man. I don't know. And then we go back into some singing. I know a man, he's as rich as a king. It's a real festival of faith, Johnny. And they sing a song, This Rusty Old Halo. Yeah, if you're a rich man, uh, he knew a rich man who wasn't willing to part with his wealth for the Lord. And what he got in return was a rusty old halo, skinny white cloud, second hand wings full of patches. And the film pretty much plays out. And that was the guy with the eyes. That's the last thing we see is the creepy guy with the with the marionette <laughs> smile. The guy still goes to heaven, but the, the stuff he gets in heaven just isn't as good as what the other people in heaven got. You just have to settle for them skinny white clouds. Sorry. And a rusty old halo. And then it ends. It ends as if it's the end of the show. And that's the end. Or Werner Herzog's view of Pastor Gene Scott in this film, God's Angry Man. Now, Johnny, we don't rate things in a star rating scale. That's of Satan. Take that star, put it upside down. What you got? Satanic. Draw a circle right around it. Pentacle pentagram. This is war. Pentacle. Pen yeah. Both. Satan stars. Satan points. Stars are disgusting. They will go to hell. Praise God. We rate things in a Herzog rating scale. I'm going to give this movie one through five Herzogs. Brother Johnny, you're going to give this movie one through five Herzogs. Yes, I am. And then we are going to combine this film for best out of ten Herzogs. Because where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of you. This film was something. Uh, we, we talked about how it had an educational style. A lot of it was allowed to speak for itself. An objective viewing of this Pastor Gene Scott guy. But there was enough here in the way it was shot and the way it was cut and the way it was edited and the way it was filmed where it really didn't, even though Werner Herzog wasn't like outwardly questioning everything, maybe it's just because the nature of me as well. Even though it was an objective view and Dr. Gene Scott controlled a lot of the narrative in this movie, but not necessarily never thinking that he believed what he thought he said or how he felt about it i took the guy at his word a lot but this is an interesting window into 
a, a transitional time in America and religious history. And Dr. Gene Scott did this for 50 years until his wife, Melissa, took over. And he was a notorious man, especially out on the West Coast. And apparently there is a lot of stuff like this out there. Hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of Gene Scott, if you wanted to sit through it all. I do not. Hitting toy monkeys. I really appreciated Werner Herzog's approach. We're not quite at the contemporary Herzog where everything is just filtered through what he thinks he's looking at. This is just Werner letting the thing be the thing that it is. And I thought it was beautifully simplistic. Like I said before, Werner is not a fan of people over-intellectualizing him. And I kind of agree. I mean, you could if you wanted to, but it's a mistake to go that route all the time because what you see is what you get. And I really think that people shouldn't be intimidated by watching Werner Herzog films because a lot of it is just letting the thing be its thing. And the way you react to it is the is whatever that is, is what Werner wants. So I'm going to give this film, God's Angry Man by Werner Herzog. They give it a 4.25. You can watch it on YouTube and it's only 45 minutes long. Johnny, what did you think of this film? Uh, most of the time I was comparing it to Marjo, the other great documentary of televangelist or traveling circuit preacher who was accused of fleecing people, whereas Marjo was showing this documentary crew how he was doing it so he could blow the whistle on the entire scam. God's Angry Man got to know the person. I feel showed a lot more contradiction in the person of Gene Scott than Marjo had done, well, the documentary Marjo had done on Marjo Gordner himself. And Marjo, of course, understanding the contradictive nature and exposing it. I'd say Marjo was an incredibly important documentary, but I think as a documentary, this one, though, probably not as entertaining. People could get bored by it. People could get bored by it, but though not as entertaining, this one I think brought a lot more depth and contradiction to the uh, to the actual televangelist world. I like how it was roughly hewn. I love how it was using, like you said, cable access sort of shots. It's the same film quality all the way throughout, but he basically just took what was there, collaged it into an order, and just let it speak. That was beautiful. So, I think I would I would have given Marjo a 3 5, so I would give this a 4. That's a good score for this movie. Werner Herzog, your movie, God's Angry Man, gets a total of 8.25 out of 10 U's. <laughs> wow, not bad, Werner. And I'm so glad Werner Herzog Month is here. It's taken too long to get to Werner movies. We've actually recorded this before all the other Werner Herzogs, but I think it'll air after a lot of the other movies. So, But that's... That's our movie, God's Angry Man by Werner Herzog. Check it out. You can find it online. 45 minutes. We think it's pretty good. And we think uh, there's some beauty to it. And we think you're beautiful, listener. And you don't have to give us any money. Yeah, you don't have to give us shit. But please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That's more important than money to us, truly. They don't offer a Herzog rating scale on iTunes? We'll change that one day. One day. But yeah, you give us five stars in a review. You can keep your $600. We just want the five stars in the review. And we would appreciate it if you'd help us out. If the Lord leads you to do so. If the Noid used to be the mascot for Domino's leads you, then let the Noid lead you. If we personally led you to do that, that's okay too. You don't want a skinny white cloud in Herzog heaven. Mm-mm. You want a thick, fluffy cloud. You don't want a rusty halo. I'd take a rusty halo, though. I'm fine with that. But anyway, that's the film. God's Younger Man. Keep on docking. Sugar diabetes. Sea Org, bro. Carnal Christians. Sea Org, bro. A rusty old halo. Skinny white cloud. Second hand wing.
I don't like the artsy fartsy thing.